Welcome to Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. What does it take to lead yourself and your teams to high performance with ease? Today, you'll discover simple practices that separate exceptional leaders from the rest. Now, here is your host, Nicole Bendeley. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Leading on Purpose. I'm Nicole Bendeley, and I'm thrilled that you're joining us today. You know, I want to start with today's episode with some real gratitude for all of you. A sincere a sincere thank you for listening and tuning in. Today marks our 17th episode. And just deciding to do this podcast was a leap for me. It took me outside of my comfort zone. It was new and exciting and scary. And so I want to start by really thanking you all for joining me on this journey as I learned <laughs> to and continue to learn um, how to host a podcast. And I continue to learn from all the wonderful guests. And, and I really appreciate you for participating and joining me in this journey and for all of the feedback and support that you've shown um, me through these past 17 episodes. And I'm going to step outside my comfort zone here and ask you to please continue to follow. And if you can physically follow, you know, subscribe and rate this podcast on whatever platform you listen to your favorite podcasts or even on all of the platforms for that matter. I'd really appreciate your support. Um, My mission, as you know, is to help as many leaders as possible, millions if possible, to thrive more and struggle less. And the more people who listen to this podcast, Cast, the more leaders we can help. So thank you for that. Um, so today we are going to be talking about living bravely. We'll be exploring how to rethink risk, how to embrace change, and how to lead with courage. And this topic is so timely for me personally and for so many people, so many people who are finding that they are having to dig deep more than they'd like to these days, are having to be brave, likely more frequently than they'd like to, given this time of uncertainty. And so today is a real gift for me. It's Christmas has come early because having my guest Margie Worrell on today truly, truly is a gift. I have been following Margie's work, applying Margie's work for many years, have devoured her books, have been, you know, watching all of her, you know, pieces of her keynote speaking um, topics on YouTube. And um, I'm so grateful that um, she's joining me today. So let me tell you a little bit about Margie. Margie is an internationally sought after keynote speaker and the best-selling author of five, five, five books. You've got this, find your courage, stop playing safe, Brave and Make Your Mark. And the titles of Margie's bestselling books truly reflect her passion for empowering people to lead and live with greater courage. Described by the Wall Street Journal as a global leadership authority who gets to the heart of what holds people back, Margie's insights have been shaped by her work in interviews with leaders such as Richard Branson, Bill Marriott, Steve Forbes, Oliver Stone, and author Marianne Williamson. A PhD candidate no more, Margie just completed her doctorate um, in the interplay of power, leadership, and gender. And Margie is a member of the advisory board of Forbes School of Business and Technology and is a sought-after, like I said, keynote speaker and lecturer. 
In 2010, Margie founded Global Courage to embolden braver, more inclusive leadership and improve diversity at decision-making tables. Margie has taken the path less traveled many times, living in multiple countries and cultures from Papua New Guinea and Singapore to now Washington, D.C., an intrepid spirit, she's crossed the Sahara Desert, I can't wait to hear about that, stayed in Palestinian refugee camps, hiked the Inca Trail, swam with piranhas in the Amazon, and cycled across Beijing. Beijing, sorry. Uh, Margie is also the mother of four children, and she enjoys sharing adventures with them and her husband, most recently summiting Mount Kilimanjaro. Wow, Margie, welcome, <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. And I think the biggest challenge there is four children. I thought two was hard. <laughs> so four in five years, I think you mentioned. So that to me says it all. So welcome. I'm glad to have you. No, it's great to be with you, Nicole. So Margie, tell us about, I'm so curious because, you know, your life is, um, is more than just words on, you know, in a biography, right? And so really want to hear a little bit about your journey um, from your, the dairy farm that you grew up in, in rural, rural Australia with, you know, I think there's six other brothers and sisters, you have a big family. Mm -hmm. So tell us about your journey. How did you find your passion for helping others to live bravely? Look, by having to overcome my own fears and live more bravely myself, Nicole, I think we often find our passion through our, our own struggles. And, uh, and, yeah, I spent the first 18 years of my life living a relatively confined life. Uh, you know, we never, my father milked cows for 50 years. We had very little means to go on trips or global adventures and, uh but in my, in, well, I went, I went to university at 18 and uh, the first in my family to go off to the big city mm. in Melbourne. Um, I know one right. of your favourite cities in, in Australia. And, and then, but also just dealing with my own struggles. I had an eating disorder, bulimia, through my teens and into my 20s. I um, had enormous amount of self-doubt. You know, that little voice in our head that says, who am I to amount to anything. I had a very humble education um, and upbringing. And I think in just learning to find the courage to defy my own fears and doubts and also in my travels around the world, and I have lived a lot of the last 25 years in different countries and cultures, you know, I encounter time and time again people while we may have different religions, we may have different um, different backgrounds, we have different, we look different, but so often at the heart of what makes us human, we we often share this deep sense of inadequacy and fear that we we lack something in order before we could go ahead and pursue what we want to do. And I think so many people um, live lives that are really held hostage to their fears. Mm. And, and in my own work then, I mean, I started out in the corporate world in business, but in my 20s, as I did my own work on myself, you know, yeah. learning to just how I'd get to deal with what the causes of having this, being in this debilitating eating disorder, um, well, I was always high functioning. People didn't know, but I, I had this shame around it. And why is such a smart, I, I know I'm bright. How can I not stop this? But it actually taught me um, enormous 
deep life lessons and mm-hmm. started me on a journey, to be, to be honest, and how I could help other people get out of their own way. And, and the actions, some, so often, Nicole, we, we don't do even the things we know would help us, even though right. we know a certain action would, would be beneficial, we still don't do it. And we often do things we know are not helping us and are not serving our highest good. And so just trying to really understand the human condition. So I studied psych- so I went back and studied psychology, then I started studying uh, coaching, and then I've spent much of the last 20 years working, you know, with people and teams and organizations, helping, helping people to ultimately live their, their greatest potential um, and trying to do that myself and falling right. over a million times. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. It, it truly is. It truly is a journey. And I think one of the reasons, you know, thank you for sharing uh, your story about your eating disorder, because um, that takes courage in and of itself. And I feel that the more and more, especially, well, not just especially women, anybody, the more we can share our own personal struggles, the highs and lows of our lives, Um, the closer we become, right, the more connected we become to each other. And we give voice to something that we can then also more learn from, learn from ourselves and other people's experiences, similar experiences. So thank you for sharing that. I I too experienced an eating disorder through my teens and, and early 20s. And that certainly shaped who I've become as well, just my lessons through that. So thank you for sharing that. Um, and this journey, you know, it's never ending. So what surprises you? What surprise? What has surprised you most as you continue to learn <laughs> and reach new heights and meet new people and work with so many different types of organizations? What, can t- what surprises you? Ah, oh, well, one, I think what surprises me is the more I get to know people who I would have thought were on a different plane of existence mm-hmm. or uh, maturity or evolution than me uh, is I probably is that I that I overestimated some people um, you know that actually they're just all struggling too yeah. um, by the same token it also I, I look back at even my journal I'm a huge I'm a big journaler and I look at how much here I am and I I still struggle with some of the same things I struggled with in my 20s and mm-hmm. go gee am I a really <laughs> slow learner but I still worry too much about what other people think or I still question my talents and strengths uh, way too often way more than serves me so I I'm still on my own journey I, I feel like I yes I've I've learned a lot but I've still got so so much more to learn um but, but I think fewer things surprise me as I get older because I realize we're all just human becomings, figuring it out as we yes. go along. And, and anyone who says they've figured it out, well, they, that, that's definitely a sign that they haven't figured it out. Um, and I think we're all just, we're all just, we're all just really on this, on this path of um, every time we get to another level, then we get new challenges. And, um, and often I have to really practice my own advice. And I tell you what, Nicole, it's much more fun giving advice. Than I know. Practicing <laughs> yeah, it. it really is. And, and ironically, it's funny, my book, You've Got This, I mean, the irony for me of that book, which I wrote last year in 2019, because my last few years had been incredibly disruptive from a family perspective. I had kids scattered across the world because my husband's former employer had made promises to move us to one country and then they changed their mind and moved to somewhere else. And 
He's now left them, but we were really messed around from a family perspective, mm. which was really difficult. And um, and then earlier this year, there I was, my book, You've Got This, was due to come out. I was due to fly to the US and do a speaking tour. And sure enough, my husband got COVID in March and ended up oh, in gosh. hospital and quarantine for a month. And, oh, and the, my week, gosh. the week he's made a full recovery, so he's, he's doing really well, um, but... But the irony was is that the week that I was due to fly out to the United States to do this speaking media tour, I ended up being put into a two-week stay-at-home order in Singapore, unable to leave my apartment, um, hit with COVID. And uh, it was just like having to look at the front cover of my book going, you've got this, you've got this. <laughs> I really, <laughs> really had to practice my own advice and walking my own talk and I guess the good news is, is that it was really sound advice because it carried me through an incredibly challenging few weeks, and um, and I and I am more um, more passionate than ever than helping people become grounded in themselves, in self certainty, mm-hmm. in a world where there is so much uncertainty around us. So let's dig into that then. You know, you founded Global Courage, right? And that's a leadership consultancy Mm -hmm. whose mission is really to embolden leaders to lead courageously. Is that right? Absolutely. Lead more bravely. And so what does courage, that's a huge word. Mm-hmm. It's a huge word. And, and oftentimes it evokes this, these images of firefighters and people in, you know, uh, war-torn areas mm-hmm. fighting mm-hmm. the good fight mm-hmm. or what have you. And so what does it mean to be courageous? Yeah, well, it is, it is that, though, that, that is included in courage, those heroic acts that we hear about and journalists and freedom fighters, et cetera, who literally lay their lives on the line for a cause far greater than themselves. But all of us are called to lay our vulnerability and our pride and our ego on the line, that our, our identity that, that makes us feel um, secure in ourselves on the line. And that is, to me, at the heart of what courage is. It isn't the absence of fear. It's not the absence of the voice in your head that says, who the heck do you think you are or what if you fail or what will people say or what if you lose your reputation, your money, etc. It is the very conscious decision to take action in the presence of that, which can be immensely uncomfortable and, I mean, physically so and emotionally, of course. And, um, and I really believe that that's what the heart of courage is and the word comes from the French core, which is, which is heart, and mm-hmm. it is to live wholeheartedly but wholeheartedly doesn't mean that we don't we don't feel fear it means we feel it fully we really we get it we get the stakes but we have something that's more important that we're working towards than our current safety and our current familiarity and I and as humans though we're wired Nicole to avoid uh things that make us feel uncomfortable, to avoid rejection, mm. to avoid failure, to avoid criticism, not to risk it. Right. And so in order for us to live the lives we're capable of living and to have the relationships that we want to have, the marriage, the family, the friends, the career, the work, the business, all of that requires us to be brave in different ways at different times because otherwise we will just only stick with the known and the familiar. 
and and we will never know what we're capable of and we may well sell out on ourselves um, to what could be. Absolutely. And I really want to, you know, you've said in today's world, living bravely is indispensable for living well, right? And you, you've just expressed that. We cannot deepen our relationships unless we take risks, right? We cannot grow our businesses or, you know, grow our ability to lead others and achieve greater success or, or even contribute to our communities without stretching ourselves and, and taking some risks. So I really, really want to explore that. In particular, you know, when we come back from break, really explore how can people continue to dig deep? How can in this state of overwhelm, in this state of stress, of all of this uncertainty, what can people do to find and dig deep, find that courage that may feel so far away or just tired of being courageous, right? I'm tired of putting on this brave face for everybody and, and you know, being resilient and, and, and slogging through this. So really want to explore what people can do when we come back from break. Perfect. Okay, so we will um, tune in and we'll be right back in a couple of minutes and we'll explore how to really continue to be brave and be your best selves when we don't maybe want to. Tune in in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Leading a team today can be hard, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. With Kenco's self-paced e-course, leading high-performance teams, you'll gain everything you need to build the cohesion, communication, and engagement needed for your team to thrive. Right now, save 30% off the e-course. Plus, Nicole, host of Leading on Purpose, is including two coaching sessions with her at no extra charge. Use promo code VA30 when you visit KAND. .co slash ecourse. That's promo code VA30. Would you like a complimentary strategy session with Leading on Purpose host Nicole Bendeley? Nicole and her team have been making it possible for leaders to achieve exceptional results with ease for over 40 years. Nicole will help you to discover what's getting in your team's way from even better results and will share with you the simple practices that will make a big difference to your performance and theirs. Visit kand.co slash strategy and book your session with Nicole today. That's kand.co slash strategy. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned into Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. Find out more about Nicole and her company, K&Co, and check out her suite of leadership tools and resources at kand.co. Now, back to Leading on Purpose. Hey there, welcome back. So as we jump into this next segment, I really, really want you to encourage you to pick up a copy of Margie's latest book, You've Got This, because you do. You know, it's hard, 
right now, it is, has been unbelievably hard. And we have more power within us than we even realize. And Margie is phenomenal about in helping you to access the power within, especially through this book, You've Got This. So I really encourage you to order your copy today, you know, read it before the new year and you will be refreshed and ready to just grab hold of life um, if you're feeling tired and overwhelmed right now in particular. Um, So I want to go back to, you know, what we were talking about before break. And in the introduction of You've Got This, you know, you, you, you speak to the fact that, and we've talked about this, sometimes we have to be braver than we want to be. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what, for those of us who may be tired of being brave, what Mm -hmm. can we do? What are some things that people can do to bring their bravest self forward, you know, continuously? Yeah, absolutely. Well, 2020 has been a masterclass in learning how to be braver than we want to be. Right. And, and we've been thrust outside our comfort zones. And so what do you do when you're out there? I mean, single swim, right? So we have to step up because we don't have much of a choice. So I think resilience is a term that I've talked about a lot this year. And and obviously I wrote about that and you've got this too, like doing more of what strengthens you, body, mind and spirit. And in, in times when we are being, when life is calling, demanding a lot of us and is calling on us to be courage to, courageous just to get by, we have to double down on those things that sustain us and strengthen us and help us pick ourselves up day in, day out and and bring our our best selves to life. And so there's a lot of different sort of rituals or practices that there are many people out there talking about the different things that we can do. I I have my own rituals and practices uh, that are so just fundamental to my my day that when I don't do them, I I feel it all day. Um, And so to me, it's starting, starting your day strong. And some people have really got it down to like a very fine set of, of things that they do and other people sort of just sort of start it by default and move on into the day. And I know not everybody subscribes to the, to the 5 a.m. club or right. um, to, to getting up an hour earlier, but, but I would encourage anyone who's listening to this to just ask yourself, what is it that when you do that activity or that that ritual, whatever it is, it could be journaling, it could be exercising, Mm -hmm. it could be reading wisdom literature, it could be listening to your favourite songs, it could be some yoga stretching, it could be gardening, I don't know, whatever it is, that that it makes you feel better and braver and centred. And so I I kind of break it up physically, mentally, emotionally and spiritually. And and for me, even even this morning actually, so I, I moved to the U.S., 13 days ago and wow. this morning it was pouring rain and I'm staying in an Airbnb and I don't belong to a gym yet. And I was looking out the window going, oh, I really, I feel so good when I get out and, and exercise. And I'm not, um, you know, an exercise fitness freak or anything, but I just feel better when I move my body. And I kind of waited for a little break in the rain, Nicole, and I didn't need, I don't even have a rain jacket. I need to buy one. Oh and uh, I just thought, oh, what the heck? So I put on my gear and my hat and everything and I just went out. I thought, I'm just going to run in the light rain for like even 10 minutes will make me feel 
just alive. Right, exactly. (laughs) I went out for 15, 20 minutes. I came back. I was wet. I hung all my stuff still hanging around the place. Um, but, but I always also start my day reading something that lifts me, you know, lifts my spirit, yeah. that grounds me. I write in my journal often. Um, little things like that can make a real difference. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's, so it's not about going off to, you know, some grand retreat centre once a year, as lovely as that is. It's those small little things that we do every day that few people can ever see that might seem on their own, like my little 10, 15 minute run in the rain. <laughs> it's not a big deal, but, um, but it helped to just set me up for a better day. Um, Absolutely. And so I would just encourage people to really prioritize those self-care rituals. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's something you do daily. Maybe it's something you do weekly, but, but because they expand our bandwidth for life. and. I remember the morning after my husband went into hospital in March for for COVID-19 and I was put under a stay-at-home notice by the Singapore government and, to be honest, I was feeling pretty overwhelmed. They'd done an X-ray. They thought it was in his lungs. They had an IV in with him. I was just like, oh, my goodness, this got really bad. He'd just flown in two days earlier from the United States. And I was feeling overwhelmed and I remember just sitting there, lighting a can- lighting of several candles in my lounge in my lounge room, and just sitting there, and just putting my hand on where I where it was in my body that I was feeling mm. really tight, and just breathing into it, and and just really feeling the emotion, which for me at that time was pretty intense overwhelm. Um, but I also got out my journal and I got really clear: who do I want to be right now? Like, who do I feel called to be? I really like talk about getting on purpose and connecting with who. And for those who are leaders listening to this, I believe we lead by virtue of who we are Mm -hmm. and what we do flows from that. But what are the attributes of the leader that you want to be of the, just the human being that you want to be? And for me, I was really clear. I wanted to just, just be be exuding grace. I, I have strong faith in, a force greater than myself. So I just wanted to be operating from grace. I wanted to be calm. I wanted to be optimistic that everything would be fine, that my husband would be fine. He He's good health. And as it has turned out, he he absolutely came okay. through it really strong. But, but I would just encourage people to just be intentional in how you start your day and then mm-hmm. throughout the day, taking little micro breaks, particularly if you've got a lot on your plate that keeps, you can eat, we can all get pulled into the stress mode, the hurried mode, the overwhelmed mode. And I think we have to be intentional about disrupting that default Absolutely. place to go to. Absolutely. So I want to just pause on, on a number of things that you just said, especially expand our bandwidth for life. These rituals, these practices that help us feel better, right? Help expand our bandwidth so that we can manage more effectively what's thrown at us, or we can experience joy. We can, you know, live and uh, show up with grace. Like you said, whatever matters most to you in that moment, we can connect to it and intentionally, you know, show up in that way when we have more capacity to do so. And we can have more capacity to do so 
when we practice those those rituals that allow us to find a sense of calm, to find some energy. I, for example, um, struggle with some mental health. I have anxiety. I have days where I'm really, really low and can struggle to to find um, a sense of excitement for the day or motivation for the day. And what I find is that when I pause and ask myself, what have I I not been doing? over the past month, right? What have I let go of and haven't been practicing? And for me, that's often mindfulness and meditation, journaling and exercising. And in particular, the mindfulness. If I I let go of the mindfulness practice in the morning and I continue to forget to do it, then I will I will slowly start to go down in my own mental health because I'm not being reflective. And the other piece that I love is feeling how you're feeling, mm. feeling it because we can have a tendency to just get busy and push it away and it's not going to go anywhere. It will come back at you. So feel it, notice it. So, so thank you for that. Um, I want to explore a little bit with you, Marky, given your work with so many different kinds of organizations and leaders, especially through COVID, what are you noticing that organizations and leaders are doing really well that's, that's setting them apart through this time of crisis? Look, those that are genuinely, authentically prioritizing the well-being of employees Mm. are those that stand apart versus lip service. Um, There's numerous organisations I can think of um, that talk about employee wellbeing, but really at the end of the day, there's just a lack of empathy for what people are going through. So those that really, one, hire and retain empathetic leaders (laughs) um, versus punish those that put their people first. Um, And that isn't at the exclusion of having to face Harsh commercial realities. Yeah. Harsh commercial realities are part and parcel of what this pandemic has forced us into. Um, cutbacks have to be made. People have to be let go. Costs have to be cut. However, um, when people really feel that those above them have a genuinely care for them as a human being and not just a human doing, and so and that gets reflected in where money gets put into 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 ensuring that there's support for people who are struggling with anxiety. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are struggling with anxiety, depression. Um, you know, it's not just them being forced to work at home, maybe with young children and a juggling act of that for some, but they have family members who've lost their jobs. There's people who've lost their lives. They haven't been able to see, just like you were saying, you haven't been able to hug your parents since. March, it's nine years, nine, 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 it feels like nine years. feels like nine years, right? Um, I saw my parents in March too, and I won't see them till next Christmas now. Wow. Because it's very unlikely Australia will be letting people in for a long time. They're they're not letting anyone in right now without a two-week quarantine. And um, so, so I get it. There's a lot of harsh realities, but, but I think, so companies that have been really prioritizing the whole well-being of their employees um, and providing support services, um, communicating often. And so, therefore, in supporting their leaders in leading from a place of empathy and compassion, reach out, connect with people individually, let people know you genuinely care about them, not just what they do but who they are, um, are those that I think 
and those who are being honest and transparent, they don't know what the future holds. They have to make tough decisions versus I have seen a few where they've, they've said the right thing, but then they have gone about cutting cutbacks in a way that really lacks humanity. Right. You know, people have just been told you're done, finish up, and no one's made a phone call. It's been an email or it's a, it's a, phone, it's a quick phone call, but it's not one that puts any care into it. So, so I think that's the, that to me would be the key distinctive difference between companies that are doing this well. It's, and I would also say just in terms of mindset, um, we're yet to come out of this. But, of course, right now as you and I are speaking, there's vaccine and it right. is starting to roll out. First person got their jab in the United States today. Um, that's, that's super exciting, the best news all year. And, and yet we're still in the midst of a pretty dark time in terms of the actual impact on human life of this pandemic in many places. And But organisations who don't just focus on how do we get through now, but how can we set ourselves up to come out the other side of this doing business better? Mm-hmm. What can we learn from this? How can we use this as a catalyst to innovate to re-engineer our processes and our systems, to get closer to our customers, um, to just be smarter in what we do. Uh, I think they're the ones that are going to really benefit when come the second half of next year, there's a big blossoming and, and reopening. So you, I know through all of your work, I'm just trying to find it here. You're helping organizations. So to touch on a few things that you were saying, you know, to thrive for organizations, their leaders and their teams to really thrive during this time. I know you're helping organizations to do three things right now, to adapt faster to change, Mm -hmm. to make better, braver decisions and foster a culture of courage. And, you know, empathy is at the heart of being able to help people adapt faster to change, first of all, right? Because we need to truly understand that person's experience, why they might be reacting a certain way to change um, and what they'll have to let go of, right? What this really means to them. Yeah. And so just on that one, when it comes to adapting faster to change, we're talking about emotional agility in many ways, Mm. So we're wired to resist change. People are, that's why so many change initiatives fail. What does it take to get people embracing of change? And that really requires adopting a mindset which where, where change isn't just this occasional event that happens, but it's ongoing, that this is just out, the nature of our organisation. We, we will always be changing. There is no, oh, and we change and now we're done. So how do you, how do you create that culturally, that norm where this is just how we operate around here. We're always changing. And yeah, it's always a little bit uncomfortable, but we know that unless we're doing this, we're going to get left behind. Um, And so helping people embrace that discomfort and really looking at, well, what are the key concerns? Why are people resisting it? Or Mm -hmm. even sometimes, you know, actively undermining change initiatives um, and helping them understand what's at stake. And so I'll say more about that, actively undermining. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, within an organization, it's when it comes to getting a change initiative through, there may be the strategic decision made at the highest level. We need to stop manufacturing widget A and start pushing cloud 
widget B. Um, right. And people are like, yeah, yeah, but I know widget A. It's tangible. It's what I've been spent the last 20 years doing. And now you're telling me we have to sell a different product and it's all in the cloud. Or And so right. there'll be conversations that they won't, they just won't get on board with it. There'll be little further down in the organization, there'll be opportunities that could be seized that aren't, um, mm-hmm. information that's not shared, um, collaboration that doesn't occur. Um, and so it's not always overt. Sometimes it's far more covert, the things that don't happen, the conversations that don't take place. Um, and so how do you create an environment where people get on board with change and they understand the bigger why? And I think a key mm-hmm. role for leaders is to help those who can't possibly see it. They're down in the weeds. They're down chopping the tree down. They can't see the whole forest and helping understand and to communicate the bigger why behind what you're trying to achieve and the change that you're trying to implement and getting people to see the compelling case for action for change Um, and also the steep price that will be paid if you don't change. People often discount the cost of inaction and the cost of sticking with the status quo. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting you share that because I, I see in our work three different types of reactions to change from a team le- level, right? There's that rigid, no way reaction, right? Digging in the heels. And then there's also the complacent reaction where I call them change survivors. I'm just going to put my head down. And if I don't pay any attention to it or give any energy to it, it will go away, hopefully. Right. And then there's the flexible response, which is what you're talking about in helping people get to a place of being compatible with change and seeing the opportunities and embracing it and supporting it, even if we don't agree with it. Right. It's not about getting to a place of agreement. It's about getting to a place of supporting it because we know the risks of not. We understand the why and we feel a part of it. We feel understood. We feel heard. There's that empathy piece where we're being brought along as opposed to mm-hmm. the changes being done to us yeah. and we have no say or control over it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. A change imposed is always a change opposed. So getting people on board and we're all part of this and there's a reason why we're asking you to have to deal with some difficulties and challenges because we see that your future is going to be brighter because of that. Absolutely. Okay, so when we come back, just want to focus a little bit on how to foster a culture of courage. Mm -hmm. We'll be back with Margie Worrell. Stay tuned. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Would you like a complimentary strategy session with Leading on Purpose host Nicole Bendeley? Nicole and her team have been making it possible for leaders to achieve exceptional results with ease for over 40 years. Nicole will help you to discover what's getting in your team's way from even better results and will share with you the simple practices that will make a big difference to your performance and theirs. Visit kand.co slash strategy and book your session with Nicole today. That's kand.co slash strategy. 
Leading a team today can be hard, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. With Kenco's self-paced e-course, leading high-performance teams, you'll gain everything you need to build the cohesion, communication, and engagement needed for your team to thrive. Right now, save 30% off the e-course. Plus, Nicole, host of Leading on Purpose, is including two coaching sessions with her at no extra charge. Use promo code VA30 when you visit kand.co slash ecourse. That's promo code VA30. Follow the Voice America Empowerment Channel on Twitter. You already know we're full of great ideas, and our hosts have plenty to say. We want to hear from you, too. Be sure to follow us at VA Empowerment and come back every day to see what's next. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned into Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. Find out more about Nicole and her company, K&Co, and check out her suite of leadership tools and resources at kand.co. Now, back to Leading on Purpose. All right, welcome back. So I want to encourage you all to check out Margie's podcast, Live Brave. Um, to learn more about Margie, all the great work she's doing to get some real powerful advice and strategies, not only from Margie, but from her her guests who are all thought leaders as well. So live brave and you can find that on her website, margieworrell.com. So Margie, you've said in the past, and I, I find this to be, I, I actually paused, I paused I saw it on one of your, um, on a video on YouTube. I paused it. I rewound it. I listened to it again. Um, you shared that the biggest threat to organizations, it's not the evident threat of, you know, external factors or other competitors. The external, the, the biggest threat to organizations is in fact fear. So can you, can you tell us about that? Yeah, Lucas. If you think the greatest resource in any organization is not its technology, is not its branding, it is is the people that work in that organization. So that is the greatest resource for gaining competitive edge, for growth, for 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 the for thriving and and being a strong organization. And so because it is the greatest resource, when that resource isn't tapped fully, that is a huge threat to its existence. And so what is it that stops people operating at their fullest potential? Well, at the core of it is the fear that drives smart, capable, creative people to make short-sighted decisions, to play it safe, uh, not to speak up, to challenge ideas, to come up with new ones, to experiment, to innovate, etc. And so at a very human level, when you bring an organization back to its basic components, which is people and why we do what we do and why we don't sometimes do what would serve us and others, is that fear. It is that, it is that instinctive desire for self-preservation. Mm-hmm. And we've all got it. You know, we've all got it. And so it's why actually the study that was done by Google Project Aristotle found that the highest performing teams were those that had the highest levels of psychological safety. And and what is psychological safety if not something that ameliorates against fear? 
That's what it is. The fear, that instinctive desire not to share, not to confide, I made a mistake yesterday or to push back on you, Nicole, because I disagree with you because I don't want to hurt your feelings or I'm scared you're going to come back and act vindictively against me or make fun of me or um, that really harnesses the diversity that creates that, that inclusiveness because, as you know, it's not just about having diversity. Diversity is just is, is actually fairly meaningless unless there's the inclusion, the sense of inclusion that, that allows those different, those, those minorities in the room to feel safe to speak up and push back and they feel valued. And so, and so that's why I really believe that absolutely the greatest threat to any organisation is not external. It is the fear that keeps its employees from really bringing their best and boldest thinking to to the conversation tables. And so there is no way then, absolutely no way for an organization to build a culture of courage without psychological safety. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Psychological safety is, is, is got to be threaded through it. And of course that term, um, to be honest, when I wrote Stop Playing Safe and I wrote about uh, having a culture of courage, I'd actually never heard that term, psychological safety mm-hmm. at the time, which Amy Edmondson out of Harvard coined in her research. But it's, it's very much one, one, one and the same in terms of people feel actually not just safe. It's actually more than that. I can feel safe to say something to you knowing it's not going to, or to speak up to my boss and say, hey, I disagree with this decision, or I tried this and made a mistake yesterday and I want you to know so that we can all learn, but that actually that we're emboldened and encouraged to do so. Yeah. And, and I feel uh, accountable. It's my job. Yeah, but actually yeah. I feel I'm not even doing my job if I don't push back right. on you. Um, so it's not just that I can, but actually that I must in the interests of the greater the, the 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 mission the the reason that our whole team and organization exists you know what is that for and that's why having that sense of unity but also that common sense of purpose and I I think that relates a lot to this year um, this this pandemic actually has has been a wonderful opportunity um, for organizations to get really clear about what lays at stake. Um, because it has been an existential crisis for many. Mm-hmm. Like if we, we literally might not exist if we don't figure out how to navigate this. And so we've heard of, of organisations where everyone's taken a 20% pay cut so that no one loses their job or everyone's working, you know, whatever. They've done different ways of trying to take care of people because we really believe in the mission of our organisation, um, whatever that right. may be. And so... Um, so, yeah, I think great leaders do, they embolden people. They, they, they create the conditions for people to be really brave in what they say, in what they do, and in how they respond to failure as well because there has to be the safety to fail as well. Absolutely. I want to unpack all of that. I could spend a day, a week, Margie. We're going to go to Australia together or, you know, and I'm just going to, you know, learn from you all that, all that, uh, all of your wisdom. So as we wrap up, what's, what do you wish for? What do you hope for our listeners, those leaders and aspiring leaders who are listening? 
bring this really down to a granular level and it, we have to lead ourselves first. And I think in a year that's been as disruptive as this one has for many, it has been ungrounding. People have sort of questioned, am I up for this? Do I have what it takes? There's been so much uncertainty. There still is. There, can, there will be. <laughs> Frankly, certainty is an illusion. But <laughs> I would just simply say to trust in yourself more. That doesn't mean that some of your doubts may not be founded and you shouldn't listen to your doubts and, and question their veracity, but, but trust that you have everything it takes to meet each moment as it arises and be willing to make bold decisions amid the ambiguity and amid in the VUCA world, the volatility and uncertainty and complexity and ambiguity and just be willing to listen in to that quiet voice within um, mm -hmm. and trust yourself more deeply. I think right now you cannot intellectualize and figure out the best thing to do by a spreadsheet. You need to you need to analyze the numbers. You need to run all of that. You need to think about the risk scenarios. Yes, use your left brain and use it fully. But I think we also have to tap in to that right brain, that intuitive sense of what feels right here. Um, and and really lead lead both with head and heart. Absolutely. We need a whole lot of heart right now, and the people we lead absolutely need to feel that love and compassion and care from their leaders right now. So, Margie, thank you so much. I know you've got a lot on your plate, and I appreciate you sharing your time and your wisdom with us. Thank you so much. Been an absolute pleasure, Nicole. You take care. Take care. And we're going to continue um, the next few minutes. And um, I know Margie has um, a lot on the go right now. So we're just going to say goodbye to Margie. And I want to touch on uh, a few things that Margie has, has shared with us, in particular, wrapping up by focusing on leading self first, right? We cannot lead others without leading self. And leading ourselves can be one of the hardest things we do. It requires a significant amount of mindfulness. It requires intention. And as Margie had said, it requires knowing who we want to be as a leader, who we want to be today, for example. And so I want to unpack that a little bit. Right, Margie said, being a leader is all about creating the conditions for people to be at their very best, creating the conditions for your people, those that you lead to show up, be brave, be their best selves so that they can contribute meaningfully to your team and to your organization. So that requires a, a, a few things. First of all, really getting clear on the type of leader that you want to become, right? What are those characteristics, those traits that you want to embody, right? Knowing the type of culture you need to create within your team in order for your team members to be their best selves, right? Do you need to lean in more to being a vulnerable leader, to being more open with your team members and, and sharing parts of you that, that you may not normally share so as to build greater connections? 
Do you need to be a more empathetic leader? Do you want to lean in and check in on your team members and and have conversations that are meaningful that allow you to really truly understand who your team members are behind the screen, what their days are like, what their experiences are like right now, delivering the results that are expected of them, right? Do you require to, do you need to be a leader who communicates more or maybe a leader who communicates less, right? Uh, Do you need to take more risks? What type of leader do you want to become? And where are your strengths? What are you already doing well? And where do you really want to stretch yourself thinking into 2020, right? You know, as I think I shared um, in in the podcast last week with Dr. Greg Wells, Marty Parker, the CEO of Waterstone Human Capital, um, imparted on us his executive leadership team to really identify, think, think hard, think through what's the one thing if I were to do exceptionally well next year would make the biggest difference to my, my leadership, to those that I lead, to the results that I'm creating, to my experience, to my health, right? Pick an area. And what's one thing that if you did brilliantly well would lead to a better experience for your team members, would lead to a braver culture, or would lead to strong, better well-being for yourself. So I encourage you to really think over you know, the holidays, who do you want to become as a leader? And what are one or two areas that you will commit to being intentional in, that you intentionally choose to show up in? And part of leading yourself first is also about those rituals. What are those rituals that when you practice, make you feel whole, make you feel better, whether it's playing with your kids, whether it's journaling, going for a run or a walk, right? Whatever it might be for you, how are you going to incorporate that practice more intentionally? All right. So what I wish for you wholeheartedly is to find those rituals, find and discover who you truly want to be as a leader and to set your intentions, not to set too high expectations that it's just something else on your to-do list, but choose one area that will help you to become who you truly want to be as a leader in 2020. All right. And as always, if you want a thought partner and to talk through some of your strategies from a leadership and team development and performance perspective, always feel free to reach out and connect for a 30-minute complimentary strategy session with me at kand.co slash strategy. All right, everyone. I wish you a wonderful week and I look forward to the next episode when we'll be talking with Dan Pontefract. Take care. Thank you for joining us this week. Please tune in again for another edition of Leading on Purpose with your host, Nicole Bendeley, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a wonderful week.